1: Welcome to week two of single entry sh- strategy with <laughs> solo ship
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right solo ship with uh jm to win and squirrel uh scroll patrol on scroll patrol uh jm to win how was your week one
2: my week one was fine uh didn't i mean i played three rosters none of them cashed but uh felt really really good about one of them one of them was super plus ev and uh, it was my worst roster in terms of results, but I'd play that roster 100 times out of 100. It was a Herbert-focused build that just had a really unique stack, and then uh, a couple of Mahomes rosters that bubbled, but um, weren't weren't my favorite rosters anyway. So, um, you know, no no harm, no foul there. But what about you? How was Week One? I, I know you won, uh, got second place in that live final last week. So shout out for that. Shout out to Big T for taking down first place. Big T, friend of the. Friend of Rotor Grinders, former Rotor Grinders contributor there. So uh yeah, pretty good weekend for you. How was NFL? It's
1: good. Yeah. So it was great. Uh you know, I, I finished second place in the the FanDuel Baseball Live Final, then they had the NFL kickoff just the uh, 2 days later. So there's the fr- finals Friday. You know, of course, the uh, week 1 kicked off on Sunday. And you know, I nothing like nothing like a live final to give you a lot of confidence, right? So I, I know from past experience, I I got like men like like, consciously, like, cut back on the bankroll that I want to play, right? Um, so I thought, hey, I'm going to enter a bunch of qualifiers. But like, I got to be really judicious. But I entered two of the DraftKings football qualifiers, and I took down one of them. Um, so, you know, being in New Orleans. And then Monday night, my flight was delayed. So I was like, well, I'm going to enter one more qualifier. So I, and I took that down, too. <laughs> so, no way! Yeah, I already got two two seats to New Orleans. Um, and, of course, I then entered... A bunch last night and didn't win <laughs> uh, no well done yeah.
2: though yeah, yeah it,
1: good it, first it. week I love it good first week I uh, gotta consciously take the foot off the accelerator <laughs> right because <laughs> like as soon as you feel like you can't lose you're about to lose a, a lot yeah uh,
2: confidence so, in DFS can be powerful for a little while and then it can be dangerous after
1: that <laughs> yeah yeah is, and then you start thinking like well I'm gonna start like piling money into these high dollar contests and Like that those can go awry very quickly. So, um, but yeah. Yeah,
2: I I think one of the great things about when you're winning like that is the, you get so much more fearless with your play. And like, obviously you're already a fearless player, but it it just, you feel so much more confident and in the zone and and willing to be like, okay, I trust myself on this. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And you kind of get this right. I remember the year when Beep won, uh, Beep, I'm a Jeep, won four MLB qualifiers in four days. It was like back to back to back to back days uh you just you're in that zone where you're like yeah I'll take this risk who cares like I'm already I'm already up this is house money um and then yeah once it once it turns it turns fast
1: yeah and it that's the the whole art you know behind dfs is you're trying to find players that can still do well but like not not like the obvious plays that everyone's going to play you know and it's that mix and when you start doing really really well there's two things that can happen one you can think well i'm just so good at projecting these guys i'm just going to play like my highest projected players and those are the same guys that everybody else has and you you end up playing too chalky or yeah, like what you're saying the opposite can happen where well like no matter who i pick they're going to win right <laughs> like no matter what lineup i put out there i can i can throw any players out there i just the guys i love off that feel you know and i'm not gonna play any of these like clowns that, that other people are playing and, and you end up with you know in last place like no like none of these players were, were highly projected for a reason uh question so yeah, think, for you
2: did you last weekend on the on the main site was that a single entry
1: uh build it it was a uh, four who's it was it five five entry draftings qualifier uh, okay so, so i mean not 100. i mean
2: not too dissimilar from what we talk about in this show do you mind me asking what the the roster was on that one
1: I have no idea. <laughs> I, <remember, laughs> I was—I remember following it at the time. Um, I was in first, and I—I I remember I was waiting, like hoping nobody else would catch me. I know I had Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey, uh, okay. and that the fact that I still had those two guys going in the afternoon games, and I was in first place. Like some people, I think had Saquon, and they were chasing me, <clears throat> but I had such a big lead that uh, even Saquon doing really well wasn't enough to catch me.
2: Yeah. That's a guy with 50 plus qualifier appearances. You don't even know what roster you had.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I <laughs> do. I, I do want to say that I think the defense was pretty different. I think it was the Steelers defense and actually yeah, I, great played play a, there. I played a pretty good amount of the Steelers defense. Uh, cause they were pretty cheap and, you know, and low owned and that, uh, that game against Cincinnati helped me a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting spot to talk about this week as well for, uh, Defense special teams, that same team in the Bengals, and and how to handle that. But yeah, um, uh, always good to always good to kind of think through like, how how do we put together these rosters where they're high enough upside, super sharp, but different enough to get us to first place? And um, I think there's a lot of interesting ways to do that this week as well. I don't know that we'll get to any like week specific things here today, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the finding those like, unique combinations where I think that one of the things people make a mistake on in, in single entry play is like, we've, we've said this before, but like either going too chalky or going so far off the board. Right. And a lot of times you can play, like, if you flip through the, the almost all game changer rosters, but like flip through the game changer leaderboards last week or any week, a single entry, 212 entry max. And a lot of times it's just really sharp plays top to bottom but just put together uniquely, put together in a different way than other people are putting them together.
1: It's, I think this is an interesting week for, for a few f- reasons. There's a, like, I wrote down like five sentences of notes. Like one of the first things I wrote down is there's games that it's it's a struggle to find anything. Like it, it feels like a smaller week than a 12 games late because there's some games that I really just want to cross off entirely. Um, like there's a, like the like a Cleveland Jets. I don't know if I'm going to, uh, maybe maybe write that down for highest scoring game of the week because I can't find anything anything from that game um you know there's the uh I think Pittsburgh New England as well I could see maybe like a Pittsburgh or New England defense and like maybe trying to pick from the running backs that seems like it's not gonna be a winning play um and so there's games that I'm like interested in just crossing off entirely
2: well I think that one of the problems like I think we should focus on that because one of the issues people run into in single entry, I think is what's what they like about having lots of entries is they feel like they can pick and choose a lot of different players. And they also have this concept that, oh, well, if you have 150 rosters, you just print money. The truth is, if you have 150 rosters, most players would just lose money more quickly because you have to build really sharp rosters and, and know how to build 150 in such a way that, that it's plus EV to do that. But the with single entry, it's like, oh, I can't narrow down my my player pool that much. And so there's a tendency to hear something like uh, Jets in Cleveland and and then be like, yeah, but Nick Chubb could do this or Kareem Hunt could do this or Elijah Moore could do this. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Every game there's players who could do this, but what we want to find is which players give us – like in single entry, we don't necessarily need to take on the Elijah Moores where the game total is low and the offense probably won't hit. We want to find these guys who – when people look at your roster, they're like, even if it's spots where at first glance, they're like, I don't get this. But over time it's like, Oh yeah, no, no, this, this, this play could hit. This play really could hit. And they have a pretty high likelihood of hitting. We can get a sharp player pool in single entry. Like how far off the board are you typically willing to go in single entry, especially if it's like 2000 or fewer entries, 1500 or fewer entries, which is what a lot of these single entry contests are.
1: See, yeah, there's, there's no reason to go that far off the board. And actually one of the, one of the things I like the best about the the one week season write-ups is that you talk about like there's, there's a difference between a player could go nuts and you have to have him on your roster. And in single entry, like, like Damian Harris could get two touchdowns. It doesn't mean you have to have him. Like, I mean, it doesn't mean he's, you know, maybe a guy you can think about, but like the chances that you're going to like Ramondre Stevenson's there too. Right. So like, that's probably not a good play for single entry because the chances you need to have him on your roster to win are very low, no matter, even though like there's a difference, like he could go crazy. Like he could have a great game and you need to have that guy on your roster. And so like with single entry, I was actually looking this week and I think there's going to be some very popular players because like David Carr is too low priced on both Vandal and DraftKings. uh, And then it's so easy to just pair him with Devontae Adams. Because you know, that's such a strong connection. Adams had such a big week one, uh, and he's so much cheaper than like Cooper Cup. And I love the idea of like doing it, like differentiating based off of salary and going to like Cooper Cup, or you know, or maybe at the running back position. Like I think everyone's gonna, or I think Saquon Barkley will be very highly owned. Uh, and but you can go up to like Jonathan Taylor, and suddenly you've got a whole different like salary construction. So you can actually get different with safer plays. Like you can get different by going to Cooper Cup instead of Devontae Adams. That the the issue is that trade off is you know you're gonna have to have some guy that's much cheaper. Um, so maybe that's you know that's where the risk comes on. Um, but I'm just I'm surprised that I, I think the Raiders offense is gonna be very very highly owned in both cash games, which is justifiable this week. Uh, but in single entry, like, I think David Carr and Devontae Adams are gonna be probably over owned, even though I think they're the best plays of the week.
2: Yeah, and on top of that, the car, Devontae Adams, Greg Dorch is gonna be, I think, super popular. Cause it it started the week, early ownership projections. I'm seeing Greg Dorch at like 1%. And he's popping in every projection model you look at. And he's projected at 1% ownership. And everybody's gonna see that. Everybody's gonna see that if Devontae Adams is having a good game, it increases the likelihood of the Cardinals passing a lot, it increases the likelihood of Dorch piling up targets, and it's just this play is going to gain gain steam throughout the week to where even this whole block of players, it's like one of the things I like to do is find a block of players where, for example, you could bet on instead of just Daryl Henderson, a Daryl Henderson bet this week is essentially saying Rams score a lot of points, Rams score a lot of touchdowns. Well, if the Rams score a lot of touchdowns, you can actually complete the Daryl Henderson bet by adding Matthew Stafford and a pass catcher right? And so you complete the bet that way and lower your Daryl Henderson ownership. But in the case of Carr and Adams and Dortch I think that the whole block is going to be so popular that you, like you just have this big chunk of salary that you're moving up and down the field with, as opposed to differentiating anything. And and to your point, you can not only, you can go up to cup and then you could throw Waller in at tight end. So you get kind of that leverage off of Devontae Adams. Well, Waller's not going to go totally overlooked, but it's like, okay, if Waller, if if Devontae is not hitting his highest end range, but the Raiders are still hitting, well, now you have somebody who's getting those points, taking them away from Devontae Adams, and you get a unique construction there. And uh, I think there's other value this week too that that can differentiate differentiate you from the field. So um super, super interesting week from from that standpoint. I like what you said about, you know, Carr, Devontae yeah, they're they're great plays. They're we shouldn't sit here and argue against that. And It doesn't mean you can't play them if you're doing something really uniquely somewhere else on your roster, but that's a very clear spot where you can just separate from the field. And even, let's talk like combined price. Sure, Cup is more expensive than Devontae Adams. But if you talk about Stafford plus Cup versus Carr plus Devontae Adams, you're spending so much salary either way, right? That the extra, what is that? 400 plus 1,300, extra 1,700 that you're spending for this other pairing, I mean, it's not that big of a deal in the in the overall scheme of things. You take Juwan Johnson at twenty five hundred, and all of a sudden, you you know, you freed up salary to go different directions in other places.
1: Yeah, well, actually, one of the I kind of woke up in the middle of the night last night and I had this thought because you know, it, it takes me a while to like remember football DFS, like, and all the different like nuances and things you can do. And it occurred to me like, what if Devontae Adams is is spectacular and he just gets like, what if his connection with David Carr is really really good? And, like, yeah, and Adams sees, like, 15 targets, catches, like, 13 passes, whatever, 200 yards, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, but that's it. That's the entire Raiders offense. You actually don't necessarily want to be playing David Carr and, like, just play Devontae Adams. <laughs> just just play Adams, and you've got the entire Raiders offense, and you pair him. I'm like, can I pair, could I pair, like, Devontae Adams and Darren Waller with, like, a cheap running quarterback um, and, and get, you know, get two rushing touchdowns from my quarterback and all of this Raiders passing offense, that could potentially go nuts. And it's it's like an interesting like single entry thing I was thinking where I'm not arguing with the narrative or arguing with like the Vegas lines or anything where I think, I do think the Raiders will put up points, but can I capture those points in a different way that gives me just a little bit more points than the other rosters in like a single entry format. So it's like at two o'clock in the morning, I was making like a Geno Smith, like, Devonte Adams, Darren Waller roster. <laughs> it still didn't. Have yeah, that
2: I, I think that we see that a lot, right? Uh, Adams and Waller and Renfro had seventy five percent of the Raiders' targets last week, and we're probably going to keep seeing that. Which, um, by the way, I've got uh, Carr, Adams, Waller, and Renfro on one of my one of my two Mastiff rosters. So I'm feeling pretty good about how concentrated that offense was in in week one. I just bet on the whole offense and hope you get all the points. But the uh, that. Typical like thinking of the auto stack or the auto bring back allows us to think a little more deeply into things and say, what other ways could this play out? And like you said, just because, because of how concentrated that offense is on Devon, or might potentially be on Devontae Adams, just because Adams is putting up a monster game even at his high salary – doesn't mean that cars putting up a had to have a game. I always like to actually, and you can do this different ways. You can do it with projection systems or just working through the numbers yourself. But I always like to work through the raw numbers and say like, what is this? What is this 35 point game from Devonte Adams? What are the numbers there, right? Let's call it 11 catches, 130 yards or up to 27 points with the, with the bonus and a touchdown. That's 33 points. Let's give him two touchdowns. That's 39 points. Well, if, if, Adams has 120 yards and two touchdowns. Does that guarantee that Carr's going for 300 plus and three or more touchdowns? No, like he could still have 280 and two touchdowns and Adam ends up being this monster play and Carr doesn't. Like I wouldn't play that the other way around probably. Like like Carr, bet on Carr having a monster game and Devontae Adams isn't involved, right? And you get all other pieces, but unless you're talking large field play, but single entry, you can you can think through these situations. And what I love about that is, it's harder for most people to take those steps because they don't necessarily trust themselves well enough to do that. And But once you start thinking about the actual raw numbers, you start realizing, oh, okay, this is actually one that that makes sense. To, to flip that around the other way too, one that I think is interesting this week is you can play uh, Stafford without Cup because there's other weapons and Cup is so high priced that like him has point game, like Stafford can still put up Three twenty-five, three touchdowns, and Cup has one hundred and twenty-five yards and a touchdown. Right, Cup's not had to have it, but Stafford probably is the highest scoring guy in that range of quarterbacks with that type of game. And so, yeah, thinking through the other layers and not just getting locked into the first thought most people will have can really like allow us to build intelligently different rosters instead of idiotically different rosters.
1: Yeah, I, guy, like I've got Cooper Cup. Like one of my guys this this week, just because I I think Daryl Henderson's going to be so highly owned, and I I think it's a week where everyone kind of agrees on who they think is going to be the highest scoring teams, but there's like too much certainty about how those scores are going to come, you know? And people are like, well, you know, everybody watched the Rams and Bills, and it was like all Daryl Henderson, and that was a big surprise, like one of the biggest surprises, or like you know, for for a lot of people, one of the biggest surprises of Week One is that like Cam Akers seemed like he was totally out of the offense, and Daryl Henderson was the guy and he's really cheap but he's not necessarily going to get all the scores and like he's not necessarily going to catch a bunch of passes like he might have 80 yards and no touchdowns and and two catches and like and even at his salary like he's kind of a bust um so i like the idea of like what if like cooper cup had a tremendous game and nobody's talking about it and nobody wants to roster him and it's a price thing like what if he two touchdowns instead of instead of one and and 13 you know catches i mean and he just seems to be the whole offense and i think he's good leverage off of like daryl henderson and you also like what if what if they do want to get cam makers more involved i don't know i mean and maybe i'm just like clinging on my cam makers like season-long team <laughs> but um I, I and i think there's just too much certainty I, actually i was thinking about that in the the denver game as well i because i think you know the broncos have a pretty high employ, implied point total but I think everybody likes Russell Wilson and now they're going like Jerry Judy and Sutton. But like, what if it's just Javante Williams, like running Houston into the ground? Like, and if that game's not particularly close, like why wouldn't Denver just keep running the ball uh, against the Texans? And, and Javante Williams is a guy who would, while it's tough to, you know, it's tough to pick the, the Javante games from the Melvin Gordon games. Like Javante is a guy that can go absolutely berserk and, and break off 70 yard runs.
2: Yeah the the ability to the ability to think like outside of the salary structure can become so valuable because we can get very value based in our thinking since we're playing a salary cap game and so it's like well cup is a worse play than Devonte Adams because he's ninety nine hundred and Devontae Adams is eighty six hundred but then if you think about the difference in salary thirteen hundred and even if we just multiply that by four x and call that five points right like cup could eat like it's just variance that cup could very easily outscore about Adams by five points. And then all of a sudden he's the better point per dollar play in that scenario. And let alone, he can outscore him by 10, 12, 15 points. And that extra salary spent, you know, becomes really well worth it. And even if, and even if it's a difference, the, that extra 1300 doesn't kill you, right? Like Adams outscores Cup by five or six points. It's not like cups going to bomb. And so now you're, you know, you're still kind of even with everybody else, but you have a different salary structure than everybody else. So, it forces you to maybe pay down at a place where other people aren't and you end up with some sort of value that other people are not on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's just, there's a lot of ways to differentiate your rosters and like even before the season, I kind of know like week two and week three are the weeks where everybody thinks they know what's going on now. Right? Like, Oh, okay. We had some surprises last week, but now we know exactly what's going on. And I just, I think you're going to see some of the highest ownership numbers that you see in single entry this week uh, with, with so many people being so certain about like David Carr, or Devontae Adams. Uh, and I think it's, yeah, I look at the same thing and I, it's like, it's hard to break away from that. And maybe we are spending a 10,000 on, on Devontae Adams by the end of the season. And he's just this year's guy. That's just going to be peppered with, with targets. And like Dan, David Carr is way too cheap. Like I think on FanDuel, he might be a closer to the bottom of the of the quarterback salary list than than to the top, or he's like in the middle. I think he's like seventy three hundred, um, and and the, the Raiders have one of the highest implied point totals, so it's going to be hard to break away from that. Just starting that kind of roster construction, you said like Dorch as well, just fits right in there. Like Dorch is a guy I was watching like the Road to Grinders live show on Sunday, and they they kept talking about him, and I had no idea who he was. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I got to go look at like who's this storage guy they keep talking about? My like, guy, oh, you know, some guy on it, and it made sense. Like Rondell Moore was out. My, I had no idea who he was. You know, an hour before I was putting him in my rosters. <laughs> uh, you know, so there's there's clearly some paths to failure there, as well as like paths. Right. To-
2: I mean, he's a 24 year old. He was undrafted. He's five foot seven. He ran a four five nine forty time. He's been on practice squads his whole career. Right. So if he's owned this week. Great. If he's all of a sudden 12, 15% owned, it's like, well, you guys do realize there are still ways that this play could fail, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting week for sure. And I think that one of the things I've, one of the things I've highlighted this week is if there's a blip on the radar in terms of usage in week eight, we all are sharp enough to say, oh, well, this is a one-time thing. But if it's week one, we're like, okay, so this is how this offense is run now. You know, if somebody were the focal point of the offense in week eight and they hadn't been the focal point all season, it's easy for us to write that off. But if it's week one, we're like, okay, so this is how this team is running things now. Now we know, and now we're certain about this moving forward. Uh, So in, in a week like this, are you more interested in moving off of popular plays to find other like super sharp plays within like regardless of salary range or are you kind of looking for ways to just allocate salary differently um than the field? I mean, it's interesting because we'll probably get a lot of people pay down at one running back for Henderson, pay up for Saquon or CMC. Um You know, you could pay up at two spots or you could pay down at two spots or is it more just about the, the players that are going to stand out to you?
1: I, I like this kind of week because it, it, it is, it's true. Like, you know, what people's rosters are going to look like. There's going to be a lot of rosters that look the same way. And then, and if that ends up being what you needed to have, then it's just not my week. But I think, I think about things that can happen that are different than what people expect. And then I build a roster based off of that. And so like two things that are in my mind are that Arizona could score more than, than Las Vegas uh, so you could have like a Kyler Murray, not a Dorch roster, um, and maybe even Kyler Murray just paired with Devontae Adams and Waller, and see can I still build a decent team? Uh, and then another thing that I think could happen is I think the Rams could outscore the Raiders, and that game is actually the game that you want to have, and because I mean I think their implied point totals are about the same, uh, and the Rams, you know, we might see like angry. Matthew Stafford right or like angry Rams uh and like what if they just go absolutely berserk and like tight end is an interesting position this week because there's no Travis Kelsey on the main slate and I love playing Travis Kelsey like he's probably the player I'm most overweight on my DFS career um because I think he's such a different player at the tight end position but I like the idea of actually running that Rams game back with Kyle Pitts because he actually doesn't need to do that much. Like he could actually get there in a Rams stack without scoring a touchdown because there, there really are not a lot of great tight end options. So I, basically, yeah, I, I try to see what are other people going to do in this week more than other weeks. I think you have a more clear picture of what a lot of rosters are going to look like. Then what can happen that's very feasible that makes that roster not the winning roster and like what rosters can I construct that are then the winning rosters based off of those things that could happen.
2: I love that approach, and I love the way that you put that together because it's basically saying, "I'm going to still take great plays." No, like it could just as easily have been if the narratives had developed differently. It could just as easily have been Stafford and and Cup. Maybe Cup's price 700 cheaper, and it could just as easily have been Stafford and Cup who became the chalk guys this week. But it's like you're you're still playing sharp plays, but you're also not just playing sharp plays in a vacuum. You're saying directly like what is everybody else doing and what are the actual bets that they're placing, whether they realize it or not. Like everybody who's loading up on Devonte Adams and, and Carr and Dort, they are, they are placing a bet that says this game plays out exactly the way Vegas is predicting the Raiders end up winning. The Cardinals kind of score some points, but they don't push the Raiders too much, but the, they push them enough that they keep passing deep into the game. And, and so what's another way that that game could play out and how do I benefit there or What's another way other games could play out that would kind of bolt it above that game. And, and, you know, also you've mentioned Jonathan Taylor, you've mentioned Cooper cup. And I think that that's important to recognize, you know, your, your qualifier, win, Justin Jefferson Travis Kelsey players who can put up top of the slate scores, not just good scores, right. Top of the slate scores. Like, and, and sometimes these guys come with more floor than other times, right? Like last week, I emphasized Derrick Henry on my rosters where other people were were emphasizing different high-priced running backs. Well, his floor is way lower than some other high-priced running backs, but his ceiling is just as high or even higher. And so finding these guys who they're not just getting you a haul of good points, but making sure you're identifying there's only five, six guys on any any given site who could truly break the slate at the higher end of the price range and saying like, well, if I'm not getting the high-end guys that everybody else is on, who are the high-end break the slate guys that I do want to get because those are the guys who probably end up vaulting you to the top of the tournament.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, people try to get different by finding that player that nobody has heard of, right? That Greg Dortch going into week one, where oh yeah, nobody's even heard of this guy, and he's going to be the guy that that breaks the slate. Like, well, no. Like sometimes the guy that breaks the slate is the guy that everybody's heard of, but only ten percent of people have. You know, because he's too expensive and he he doesn't fit that perfect like Devontae Adams build that everybody wants to have because it seems so obvious. Um, you know, yeah, there's actually a lot of players this week who you can spend up and it might mean you have to sacrifice Devontae Adams or it might mean you have to pair him with Adams, but then you're going really cheap. Uh, but I, I kind of like that idea of maybe you're just, just differentiating with salary but still staying with very, very solid plays. Um, and you don't necessarily have to beautiful thing about single entry is you don't necessarily have to find that one diamond in the rough. And like, you don't necessarily need to to pick between the the two Patriots running backs because even if one of them does score two touchdowns, they, they, that's not the guy you have to have. Uh, but like, yeah, I could see Cooper cup being the guy you have had to have, or Jonathan Taylor being the guy that you had to have. Or, you know, and I, mean, I think McCaffrey will be popular. But like, yeah, he, you know, he puts up those, those multi reception, you know, rushing yard running, you know, Rushing yards, receiving yards, games—where that's the guy you had to have, and maybe Devontae Adams is the guy you had to have, but like it, it's not like I think his ownership is going to be too high for that possibility.
2: I want to also touch on defense because I think it's important this week, especially in single entry with the Bengals and the assumption that Cooper Rush is just going to be so bad that the Bengals should be forty percent owned, whereas. Obviously the Bengals are going to project as the best defense, but they're not going to be the best defense on the slate. 40% of the time there's 24 defenses. That's what you, you, that's every team has a 4% chance starting out. And maybe the Bengals bump up to like seven, eight, 9% chance to be the best defense this week. Um, what are some ways? Cause there aren't, there aren't really other cheap defenses that stand out as really sharp plays. So then you, it's like, Oh God, I'm spending an extra one K in salary or 900 in salary to get to one of these other defenses that I feel good about to be different. Um, So what's kind of like your thought on a situation like that?
1: Yeah. I love it when a defense like the the Bengals is going to be very, very highly owned because the the scoring is so random. So I like the Bengals could have a great defensive game and not score a lot of their, a lot of DFS points. Uh, Actually, I like Ezekiel Elliott a little bit this week. It makes me a little uncomfortable, but I, if you play Elliott and he gets two touchdowns and the Bengals, you know, that, that destroys a, a ton of rosters <laughs> because the Cincinnati defense is going to be so popular and it actually makes some sense. Like if it, like if Dallas loses Dak Prescott, like they, maybe this is the time they won. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott's got to go out and earn that money. Um, and so, you know, they just keep running and, and again like it doesn't necessarily need to work out like the Bengals could still win and maybe Dallas just scores 14 points uh, but i think that's lower than their implied point total uh would be 14 points and still if yeah if if Dallas is just running the ball and Cincinnati's not getting interceptions they're not getting sacks they could still win like 28-14 and put up like three points from their defense
2: i very easily see a path where Dallas scores 17, the Bengals get which is what you get one defense special teams point from that. The Bengals get two sacks and one turnover and they're sitting at 5 points. You know, if the Bengals don't just totally run away with this game, we're not going to see the Cowboys call on Cooper Rush to throw the to drop back 35, 40 times and and so as long as this game stays relatively close, I think that we'll see them calling kind of shorter, safer passes, get the ball to guys in their hands in space, get the ball to Zeke on the ground. Um, Yeah, and I I really like the idea of hunting for some leverage off of that Bengals defense. So you talked about Zeke. Uh, I've thought about Noah Brown this week, right? Nine targets last week. He's probably going to see six, seven, eight targets. He's 3,800. He doesn't kill your roster if he only puts up eight or nine points. But if he puts up five catches for 60 yards and a touchdown, you're sitting on 17 points. Everybody else has Greg Dortch, and you probably outscored those Dortch rosters. You've hurt the Bengals rosters. And he doesn't kill you if he puts up six, seven, eight points, right? And so finding a way to not just say, I don't want to bet on the Bengals defense, but to also say, I want to try to capture what could happen if people are wrong on the Bengals defense. And you don't have to do that. Cause like we just said, it could just be the Bengals still have a good game, but they only get five, six defense special teams points. Cause that's just the nature of how defense special teams works. You really want, you really want like, you know, Buccaneers against Jameis and Jameis is throwing the ball 55 times and the Bucs get six sacks and, and two picks. And all of a sudden, you know, they run one back for a touchdown and that's the defense you had to have. Um, look for these spots where guys are passing off. Cause that's where mistakes end up happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Actually, like we, we don't, we don't get points for like for theory, right? For like, for like, Oh, well, this, this defense did really well, this game, like, no, there's specific things that have to happen for you to get DFS points for the defense it has to be like turnovers sacks and and touchdowns which are generally coming from from turnovers and sacks uh, and so yeah if if they're going to run the ball you know and and like man, maybe they're just going to keep running the ball and they're not going to put it in Cooper Rush's hands and if it you know if they lose the game you know they're just not going to get embarrassed right um and like yeah it, there's there's so many ways that the Bengals defense or any defense can fail that if like I, I would be surprised if I use the Bengals defense in a single entry format, uh, or even like if, if it's a five entry, maybe I'm going to have like one Bengals defense or maybe not just say, you can see they're going to be so popular because of the narrative of like the backup quarterback going in, but this is not, is not some rookie going into the snow and ice, you know, to play his first NFL game. I like, he I think he won a game week eight last year against Minnesota. Uh, so yeah, I think the Bengals defense will be overwhelmed enough. I'm going to try to yeah go and ahead.
2: Produced 100-plus uh, 100, 100 yards for Amari and 100-plus yards for CeeDee Lamb in that spot. I mean, we don't expect him to be a great quarterback while he's filling in, but he can certainly produce production. He can certainly have games where the opposing defense doesn't just blow up for a huge game. And, and that's, I think, like you said, this is an interesting week where – Chalk is going to congregate so heavily. And a lot of them are good Chalk. Devontae Adams is good Chalk in terms of he's still a great play. Saquon's good Chalk in terms of he's still a great play. The Bengals' like defense special team scoring is so highly variable that the Bengals are, like by any measure, the best projected defense on the slate. And yet it's by like fractions above other defenses and their ownership is so far above other defenses that it's easy to say, well, I can take the second highest projected defense, the third, fourth highest projected defense, I'm not losing any any particular points. I remember when uh, I first got into MLB DFS and I would read Notorious's Grind Down and he would always mention like, you know, this team is 19th in this, right? Or this, this team is eighth in this. And I would always go check to be like, what's the gap between this team being 19th and actually being 10th, you know, like, because a lot of times that gap is so tiny that it really doesn't matter as much as people will credit it. Right. If you read this team is 10th in this, then you're like, Ooh, that's pretty good. If you read 19th, you're like, yeah, they're not that good. But if the difference is tiny, it doesn't matter. And it's kind of like that with, with defense special teams, right? If we can find those little places where everybody's like, Oh, this is the best defense on the week. And you're like, yeah, but at 40% ownership compared to this other defense, it's just like, projected fractionally below them at a position with its highly like high variance, we can gain a lot of an edge just from saying, okay, cool. I'll go a different direction here.
1: Yeah. It's, this is going to be a really interesting week to see the ownership projections because I, we say before the season starts, like, well, you know, week two, week three, week four, those are the weeks where everybody feels overconfident. And I think with some of the pricing, especially on DraftKings, and on FanDuel as well, like we're, we're going to see some, really large ownerships on like on the Bengals defense, on David Carr, on Devontae Adams. And I you know out of those three, I think you know, probably Devontae would be the guy that I'd most want to have. Um, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how week two shapes up. Uh Jam, any any closing thoughts?
2: No, you can fit uh, Devontae and and Cup on some rosters together too. So that's something to play around with. But uh that's a unique way to get that Devontae exposure, but uh, no, nothing else for me. I, I love picking your brain. I'm glad we got to get to some slate specific stuff today. Cause I think that as we're getting into the season, that's super valuable for me. Hopefully it's valuable for you and valuable for listeners for sure to kind of talk through some of the unique situations for this week's slate for single entry. And we also, I think got to some good strategy and theory on single entry as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, we, we at least touched all the positions this week. So hopefully week two goes well uh that'll do it for the single entry solo ship strategy show solo ship, <laughs> solo ship. <laughs> uh, and yeah thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you all next week